We are back every Wednesday from 11 to 11.50, Warp and Move Radio at radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. And we're glad to be back here with you on this particular Wednesday to introduce you to some new folk around Indianapolis who are doing good based on Titus 3, 1, 8, and 14. Do good, do good, do good. That's the focal point of our show, Christians who are doing good in and around Indianapolis. But before we do that, before we get into the show, just a comment about the Cominius Institute uh, that supports this particular show. At Cominius, we cross three bridges. The first is at the college, which is uh, where I work down at IUPUI. I teach there with some really great colleagues, really grateful to be there on faculty, but also doing some uh, work with students, uh, helping Christian young people to think Christianly about the things that they're learning and the things that they're studying at university. The second bridge that we cross is into community, which is what we're doing right now. Uh, this particular radio show has been going on for over four years. We've had over 200 episodes, over 250 guests from around Indianapolis who are doing good, Christians who are doing good around Indianapolis. And that's our, our basic commitment to the community around Indianapolis, that we might be able to introduce folks, Christians, who are doing just that. And then the third bridge is into culture. And what you'll see every Tuesday morning is something called Truth in Two. You can find this all over social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, everywhere. And what we do on our Truth in Two episodes, Two Minutes of tr Christian Truth, is to emphasize how do we navigate the culture in which we live? How do we think differently than other people do? And then how does our belief system actually impact those things? Uh, we do this in lots of different ways, not only uh, the Truth in Two episodes, you can go to our websites, warpandwoof.org, that's W-A-R-P-A-N-D-W-O-O-F.org, or you can go to Cominius Institute, that's C-O-M-E-N-I-U-S, institute.org or .com, and you can find all kinds of video and essay and materials there that you might want to find. But today, we have the great privilege, great honor uh, to introduce Indianapolis to uh, really a, a burgeoning movement around Indianapolis, which is uh, helping returning citizens, men coming out of prison, uh, to find places not only of home, but of work and of sustenance. And this is for the whole person, including their spiritual lives. Uh, so uh, we have here with us uh, Martin and Kevin. We're really grateful for both of your presence here today. Thanks ever so much for being here. So uh, as we always do, uh, we give everybody an opportunity to give a little bit of bio. So if you guys wouldn't mind doing that, uh, Go right ahead. Tell us about who you are and what you do. Sure. I'll jump in there. Um, I guess I would introduce myself as uh, I'm a recovering architect. So I, uh, I had practiced architecture here in Indianapolis for just about 20 years. Um, and then I was hired by the Indiana Department of, of Corrections to start the first faith-based parole program. And in a nutshell, that boiled down to men who were coming out of prison who wanted faith to be a part of their parole experience. And so that's where Martin and I met. And um, so uh, from there, parole in 2019, I left parole to join uh, the staff at the church that I belong to, uh, Brookside Community Church. And I was a director of reentry there, working with a faith-based or a, uh, a special church service that is uniquely designed around returning citizens. And then from there, um, felt the call of God to get closer to men into the trenches, because uh, that's where the real call of my life is. And that's when I joined uh, Foresight Forgivers and, and uh, 
stepped into the Nazareth Manhouse as Director of Operations and Ministry Programming. And so um, now I'm right there uh, in the trenches, uh, working alongside men who are coming out of jail, coming out of prison. So. Uh, just to everybody knows, so everybody knows, uh, Kevin is master of the whiteboard. So if you ever want to communicate with Kevin, make sure that you yeah. bring lots of yeah. whiteboard markers. This is a little handicapped on radio. <laughs> just a little bit. I'm going to have to put something up behind us over here. Yeah. Well, thanks ever so much, Kevin. We've been on the show together. Of course, you and I have uh, over a decade-long uh, friendship. I'm forever grateful for that. Uh, Martin, tell us about uh, bring, what brings you here and why you're committed to what you do. Well, I am, uh, along with my wife, uh, involved in uh, helping the least of these to uh, find their way back from difficult circumstances and dark places. Uh, spent a little time in, in those dark places myself and uh, recognize that there are men who with the right kind of help, uh, the right kind of cushion uh, under them when they land back uh, from uh, incarceration uh, can make it. They can they can make it in the absolute sense of the, of the word. And so uh, my wife and I started uh, uh, Foresight Forgivers Foundation uh, in, in 2017, and uh, the Nazareth Men House is uh, our primary work growing out of that, a place where uh, a broken guy can come, a safe place where he can uh, sit still for a minute, uh, get his bearings about him, uh, and then get on with the business of, of, of living his life. And, uh, so we're grateful to God for uh, for what, what what's happening with that. This is, uh, I think, important that we kind of just set a foundation for what we're discussing here. So if uh, either or both of you would take a minute to just explain to everybody the concept of returning citizens. Because, you know, quite frankly, I don't think that everybody understands the nomenclature all the time, and I don't want to rush over that. So why don't we just take a moment to explain that to everybody? Go ahead. So uh, <laughs> from, from my point of view, uh, as a returning citizen, um, I prior to incarceration, spent a little time uh, in my life trying to help guys who were getting out of prison. And I never really could fully appreciate the difficulties involved and why it was that a guy uh, could take advantage of the resources that were provided, but still uh, found himself right back, right back again and again. Uh, and then uh, I found myself incarcerated. And um, when I got into that upside down world, I, I began to see and understand some things mm -hmm. that I didn't, didn't understand before. Mm -hmm. A prison is a, is a contraculture with its own uh, belief systems, its own norms and mores. Uh, and uh, yeah, the guy spoke English like me, but the words meant something different. Mm -hmm. Uh, a guy returning home uh, has all of the same needs that all the rest of us have, but it's how you serve. It's how you serve those needs, and uh, how you how you help a guy to to connect back. And uh, it's it's difficult. It's a it's a challenge that is for some insurmountable. And if you don't have someone to to walk along with you, yes, and and give you the space that you need to. To, to take those important first steps, then it, it gets to be almost impossible. 
it's a lot to work it out. One of the things that strikes me about this is, is um, helping people perhaps to understand how does a faith-based system help recidivism? So again, for everybody out there, recidivism means uh, the concept of people returning to prison. Once they've uh, been out of prison, they commit another crime and they return to pr prison. The whole point of behind recidivism is that we're trying to reduce it, that is to uh, not have people go back in prison again. So what is it about a faith-based system that, that stops the recidivism rate or lowers it at least? I personally would answer that, that that when a guy comes out of prison, or when a man or a woman comes out of jail or prison, there are there are a handful of things that are absolutely mission critical. One of those is have to have a livable wage. So I, I have to be able to make a living that I can actually live on, not just get by. Um, and, and so a livable wage, I've got to have transportation. So in and of itself, that expands beyond public transportation. I've got to have safe housing. If I don't have a livable wage and safe housing, I'm destined to go right back to my comfortable pair of shoes that I just left however many years ago. And I'm, I'm going to handle my business however I know how to do that. The third, I would argue, is, is you've got to have a support system. Now, secularly, we would see that as our friends and our families, and that certainly applies. But I would argue that, that, that the network, that support system that is the church, the big C church, mm -hmm. really needs to be that, um, that network and that support system. And when we, as the church, when we are engaging this man or this woman in trying to help that person overcome the obstacles that are common to a person, but also unique to a returning citizen, someone who's coming out of jail or prison, then we are doing what, what Christ has called us to in serving the least of these. And so um, I think you gotta have all three of them. You gotta have all of that, all of that system. Anything to add? You know, we we speak of faith as if it's a side issue, mm -hmm. when in reality it is fundamental to life itself. Uh, if I didn't believe that this building's roof were going to stay up there, I would be on my way out. You, we live by faith. Everything we do, we do it on the basis of faith. Uh, guys who get out of prison need to build their faith in God uh, and in in righteousness and in themselves and in their fellow man. It's just a real, real faith deficit. And so coming to a safe place, to me, is the first step. You've got to have a safe place you can come to. Uh, and then from in that safe environment, you can work on the other things that are essential in order to, to move forward. So let's kind of break this down. And you've kind of laid out some of the most important aspects of the ministry that you're invested with. So let's talk about, you talked about the issue of lodging and home and how uh, people need their own livable wage and so on but then the aspect of the support system. Uh, you can go about telling us about this any way you want, uh, but make sure at some juncture to tell some of those stories you were telling me the other day about uh, the importance of, of how this has all come together so quickly, you know, in terms of the house and so on. Well, the Nazareth Man House is the uh, result of goodwill. The goodwill that the people of God have. Uh, who recognize that we've got to do more than just talk about uh, helping a guy to recover. 
and recognizing how important shelter is in this in the, the whole scheme of things. So we got we 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 purchased this house <laughs> on on faith. That's a longer story than 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 what we'll tell now. But we we, we purchased this house uh, and then uh, make the need known to to men and women across uh, across the the state. And it's a it's an amazing thing how a group of individuals uh, came to the Nazareth Man House one Friday, <laughs> one Tuesday to be exact. Looked around the place, uh, talked with us about what we needed, what we wanted done, and then came back that Friday. Fourteen men, including little boys, uh, and went to work uh, removing walls and. Uh, removing the old floors and kitchen cabinets and, and what have you, and, and rebuilding this house. At the end of it, uh, we are we are ten weeks later living in a in a well uh, uh, modern uh, renovated building uh, that is fit, I believe, for for kings and, and queens. I was there. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Just for the sake of uh, interest, uh, make sure to tell everybody about who these 14 people were that came. Okay, so so uh, there is a uh, there's a Mennonite brother who comes to the house first, uh, a guy that we met through some people we know. He came all the way from Ohio, by the way, six hours away. Uh, he comes to the house and uh, looks around and talks to me about the ministry and then uh, asked me what I need. I told him, I don't, I don't need anything. I have you. I need you. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, really something. On his way home, six-hour trip back home, about, about three hours, he, he phones me and he says, Martin, I know a guy I'm going to call and um, see if I can get him interested. This guy that he knows is, uh, is an Amish brother who is in northern Indiana, and uh, he calls him, and then he calls me back an hour later and tells me to take pictures of the of the house, inside, outside, include some, take the pictures, produce them, put dimensions on the picture on the pictures, and send them to this address, which I do. And uh, uh, for uh, Amish gentlemen, uh, he picks them up. Uh, a Friday, a Tuesday thereafter, they come into our into our dining room and walk around this house. They listen to our our little spiel, and then uh, they leave and call us back after they have left the house and say, "We'll be back Friday," <laughs> just like that. And sure enough, they show up Friday uh, with hammers and 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 you know, construction material and go to work on that house. And 10 weeks later, that house is as you saw it. The other it it's absolutely gorgeous. Let me just say the Amish do not mess around. Okay. <laughs> when, they, when they come to work, they come to work. And you were mentioning uh, the little boys uh, that came to work too. I just, I did just shuffle them. Oh, it's really something we were, they, they, there was a chimney that had to be torn down. They took the chimney oh, down. Tell that the, story. The yes. chimney is, uh, is, it's, has not been operational for years and years, and so it's it's very firmly stopped up. And they're throwing, they're taking it down from the top down and throwing uh, bricks down it in order to uh, to then and then filling the wheelbarrow up and taking the bricks out. And um, the, the 
the bricks stop coming. And so they keep pushing and pushing, and finally it comes through. Uh, the bricks come through all of the set. The whole room fills up with black soot. And there's this little kid, uh, he's got his eyes closed, and the only thing that's that's white on his face <laughs> are his eyelids, right? <laughs> and uh, I said, so now you know how it feels to be a black guy in America. <laughs> what a, what a, a moment. That's a great story. What a moment. Yeah. This is fantastic stuff. We've, uh, we're going to be going to break in about four minutes. Uh, Kevin, I wanted to ask you about your role in all of this. Um, how do you see yourself uh, working in the process of the Nazareth families? I literally just, well, follow the Spirit of God is the short answer. Um, but I see it as a support, a supporting role. Um, I'll give you an example. I'll answer your earlier question because I think it demonstrates how I function now okay. in the role. When you talked about what is, tell some stories about what does it look like to, to have a support system. Well, Martin and I met because I was his parole agent. And so here this man is, he's an anomaly in the sense that he's not your average uh, person who's coming out of prison on parole. Uh, you know, not only is he well-educated, um, but he has an extremely diverse network of support system. Um, he's married. Most guys are not um, or, or separated. But my point being is I had to walk beside Martin in a very unique way. I could see what the Spirit of God was doing in his life. He told me all about the ministry, and I just had to come alongside mm -hmm. that. My role as, as, a, as a parole agent at the time, yes, there's supervisory components that needed to be done, but Martin needed to travel, all right? He needed to go preach. He needed to go to book signings. He needed to go fundraising, all for these things that he just told you about, about the house being built. So if I did not operate in a supportive role, which I didn't have to do as his parole agent, it was, I see what God's doing, and I can't get in the way of what God's doing in another person's life. It's the exact same thing at the Nazareth house. It is, watch for what God's doing, then align myself with God in that man, in that moment. Sometimes that's helping a man get a ride to work until he can resolve his transportation issue. Sometimes that's just a guy sitting down in my office to have a conversation and to share. Um, what's going on in his heart and his mind that he's that he's um, a little worried about going work to work today, returning to work. So um, ministering in the moment, moment by moment, is what we were talking about in our devotions this morning. Um, ministering in the moment and not letting that moment pass is, is a good part of it. But, these are fantastic words from two fantastic men here on the south side of Indianapolis who are invested in the Nazareth Man House. We're really grateful for their presence here. Later on the podcast, you'll be able to pick us up on iTunes. Of course, you can share the video that those of you who are watching us on Facebook Live, you can do that uh, anytime and share this uh, great about this great ministry. Tell your friends about this. Uh, Martin and Kevin are looking for partners just like everybody else, other nonprofits are around the city. You listen to the Warp and Move Radio, RadioNext.tv, the Cool Groove site. We're going to take a one song break. When we come back in our second segment, we'll continue the conversation about the Nazareth Man House. You're listening to Warp and Move Radio.
So uh, we're still Facebook Live. Just I tell everybody that, just so you remember. Hi, everybody. Uh, uh, so when we come back, uh, I always ask everybody, just as we're kind of transitioning from one segment to the next, where would you like to go with the conversation? So you can let me know where you would like to go. We just make it make it go. Do you have any thought about any direction, things, stories you want to tell? Or? Well, yeah. Um, wow. I think helping people grapple with the idea of what Nazareth Manhouse really looks like. Um, so helping people to understand when Joe Q. Public thinks about transitionary housing, they think of some flea bag infested um, flop house that I go to dry out and and get my act together. That's not what Nazareth Mount Man House is, and I think talking about the embassy is a good thing, yeah. so that people understand. Wow. Okay. Here's here's what this is on paper, and here's how we function as a as a ministry walking beside that because that's that's radically different than a transitionary house. Yeah. Most people understand. And I like that concept of the embassy uh, metaphor. Uh, that you bring up the other day and just mentioned again here today. So we can pick up on that and we'll just riff on it. Yeah. Second segment. Okay. Thanks for hanging in there with us. Any uh, interesting comments this morning, brother? Oh, uh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Got people uh, lighting people us up over the there. Up over here. Yeah. Uh, David Nimitz appreciates you raising awareness on this topic. And uh, we've got Patricia Gilbert. That is on here, which is a good friend of mine. Excellent praying for the ministry. Very informative, says Joe Hunter. And uh, I want to know this personally and let them know because I had to witness somebody have the wherewithal to transform and change their life. And a lot of times, I think people just need to understand that this isn't going to be easy, but you have to grit it up uh, because there's no, like we were saying earlier, there's no better person to talk about redemption than somebody who's had to come back. A lot of times we got people who haven't had to deal themselves, not understanding what you what what you deal with sometimes in the public square, you know, and overcoming that. You know, you, you have to say, okay, this is what's on me. And so every time you deal, you got to deal a little harder. You got to deal a little, you know, more diligently. Uh, but nobody's there to tell that. People don't know that because they, they're all they're being judged while they're trying to make a comeback. That's tough. I watch young people when they go and try to invite people to church. That sounds good, but when they come to church and you condemn them, yeah. Yeah. before you even show them some love, you're talking about what they're wearing and how they handle it. You pull your pants, you know, man, let them, let them get some Jesus in them and then start distracting. Yeah, it'd be a lot easier then. Yeah. <laughs> try, to, try to ignore the hat that they have on their head. Yeah, they, they really should take it off. But, uh, just, just, just. But, but but that's not as important as having somebody here and be around. You know, I was having a conversation this morning. Reverend Harris won't be in today. And uh, people out there listening, they can hear me too. But I was talking about we want change in our children. But then as adults, I'm watching the way we're condemning and spitting at each other on this social media platform. And I'm thinking, kids aren't interested in what you're talking about. They're watching what you're doing. Yeah. And if we act like that and then want them to act any different, man, you're so crazy. I said, man, come on. 
Not but quick, but we, if you have a problem, give somebody a call and say, can we sit down and talk mm -hmm. with you? Because airing it on social media just causes a jumping to be the way we handle our yeah. They're not as smart to know how not to do violence or, you know, taking it out physically or whatever. That's how they resolve their issues. They don't have enough intellect yet. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'm like, this ain't hard. <laughs> intro that might be helping people understand what I'm doing. Because yeah. that begins to set a, a tone for how we, as a society, tend to look at people mm -hmm. with felony records. We'll come back in after this commercial. Thanks for hanging in there with us, Facebook Live. Facebook Live. Uh, They're hanging on Cool Groove, too. I'm watching you. Know, good. The people are loving it. I'm good. <laughs> and we are back, Warp and Move Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. Our producer, Harold H.B. Bell, behind the scenes, taking good care of all the screens and all of the things that I have no clue about. Grateful for his ministry uh, in all of the things that we do. Grateful too for. I don't either. <laughs> He's telling us he doesn't know either. That's not really true. We also are grateful for Josh Collingwood and for all of the good work that he does to make sure all of the digitization takes place well. I know HP loves it when I say that word. All of the great digital work that he does behind the scenes. He makes our iTunes podcast. He takes care of our truths and too. He's makes he makes sure that our Websites fly in the right direction. We're always grateful for Josh and for his work. Thankful, too, for our board of the Communities Institute. Thankful ever so much for them and for their uh, constant interaction in ways that uh, folks don't always see. So grateful for uh, folks like Janelle and, and HB and, and Stu Shade and, and all the folks there on the board. Grateful for all of them. But we're back uh, with Kevin and Martin. We want to make sure that uh, we, again, introduce you to them about the good work at the Nazareth Man House. Let's start our second segment with maybe an overview of why did you choose that name? Nazareth Man. Yeah. <laughs> the Nazareth Man. Uh, there, uh, there is this uh, incident in the, in the life of, of our Lord when he is calling his disciples. And uh, Philip is in an earlier group than Philip's brother, Nathaniel, uh, who encounters the Messiah. And he goes to get his brother to tell him, we have found the Messiah. And he wants to invite his brother to come in and meet him. And his brother, who uh, they were in a separate uh, place, location from where Jesus was at the moment. His brother says to, when he finds out where Jesus is from, that little, that little no-count uh, <laughs> village called Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth. And uh, of course, Jesus, he encounters Jesus and, and he discovers uh, what we have all discovered, those of us who have encountered him, mm -hmm. how wonderful and amazing our uh, Lord really is. Uh, so the Nazareth man house exists because there are many men who unbeknownst to themselves are Nazareth men. There's a whole lot of good that can come out of dark, lonely, deserted, demonic places. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's so many men who uh, have given up uh, 
the people they know have given up on them. Uh, society has labeled them in such a way that makes it difficult for them uh, to find their way back from, from a dark place. And so the Nazareth Man House exists because we believe broken men are mendable. We believe that a man who gets a second chance, and not just any old second chance, let me say this too. We live in a, we live in a country that is full of, of goodness. There's a lot of goodness. A lot of, there are a lot of people and a lot of organizations who extend themselves to help people. It's not that there's not help available. There's help available everywhere. And I don't want to suggest that we found all of the answers because, you know, we, we, we haven't. Uh, but we, we have some insight that, that we didn't have before on how to help a guy, how to, how to help a guy, the way to get the help to him. And the Nazareth Man House then uh, is a safe place where a guy can get his footing under him to move on. One of the things that strikes me about social media and the interconnectivity that we have in our day is uh, one of my former students from high school back in the 1990s, uh, she and I were kind of behind the scenes on, uh, on Facebook uh, yesterday and today talking about just life and the, the issues that men face because she's in a group that actually ministers out of country in Thailand uh, and they're rescuing young women of sex trafficking. And so the difficulty that she's seeing in, in men's lives and the difference, of course. And so we were having this conversation behind the scenes, and uh, I'm, I'm really anxious to kind of go back and amend uh, and kind of further the conversation by saying, you know, that, that line that was uttered, can anything good come out of Nazareth, you know, is happening in Indianapolis. So that's really cool. Yeah. Many, many men. One of our one of our men this morning after devotional, uh, doing devotional, uh, he is he has been with us now for for over a week. Uh, we tell uh, our guys as they they come in when you walk uh, off that sidewalk onto this property and come into this house, you are no longer in Indianapolis. When you step through those doors, you are in the kingdom of God. <laughs> The Nazareth Band House is a spiritual embassy, and uh, the rules of the kingdom apply here, and uh, helping them to appreciate what that really means. Uh, and so we tell them about an embassy, maybe an American embassy in, in, in Russia, and how you can be in Moscow, but when you walk through those gates on that compound, you are in the United States of America, and yeah. the rules and the laws of our country govern within that within that compound and so it is when you come into the Nazarene house and things like love that covers a multitude of sins and and mercy and grace that that favor that's extended to a person who doesn't deserve it this these things abound in the Nazarene house and that is really all that most men need and this one guy this morning said to me he says he says pastor I just keep waiting for the for the other shoe to drop. I keep waiting for for something to, to give here. Is, is this really is this really for real? What's happening here? And uh, helping them to see that uh, this is this is not going anywhere. This is who we are uh, in, in Christ and it makes a big it makes a big difference. Well there's a there's a, a learning curve. A lot of times what I used to say in parole and what I say now is when a guy comes out of prison He's got a comfortable pair of shoes that he knows really, really well. And so learning how 
to not put that comfortable pair of shoes back on means I have to learn how to walk in the spirit in a new way. And, and that is unfamiliar. It's um, not something that we can control. That's where faith comes in. And so we have to resist the urge to go with what we know and break those, those, those bondages to, okay, I got to pay rent. So I'm going to handle my business the way, whatever it takes. Well, no, now I need to be trusting that, okay, well, how's God going to help me to do these things mm -hmm. now? And um, learning to, to wear that new pair of shoes, what I like to say is the new normal, mm -hmm. the new normal. What does my new normal look like as I'm walking with God versus just me, myself, and you know, my partner's on the corner or whatever it was I was doing? Mm -hmm. So This is a, an important idea, too, if we're going to follow up on the embassy concern. Obviously, coming out of 2 Corinthians 5, where, where we emphasize the ambassadorship that each one of us has. So we literally are coming out of the embassy, but we are ambassadors out in that other country. That's it. That's it. That's it. And so this 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 brother this morning is he's encountered the kingdom. He's encountered kingdom love. You know, being loved unconditionally, just because he exists, not because of what he can do for us or what he adds or brings uh, to to the to the pot, but because he's on the planet. You know, we're, we're, we're loving him. And it's hard for him to to, to catch it. This this past Friday, uh, a couple called me uh, from uh, from Northern Indiana, and they said uh, they said, Pastor, uh, we have 120 pounds of uh, pork sausage. We were wondering if you want it. <laughs> I know, right? I laugh just like that. I said, really? You want, you want to know if we want 120 pounds of, of pork sausage? I said, where do I go to get it? <laughs> and they said. Uh, we're going to bring it to you. I said, really? And and so he's he's sitting there listening. To, I'm on speaker, and he's listening to that. Yeah. And uh, I hang up and I say to him, who does that? <laughs> said, Nobody but God. Nobody. But it's hard for him to come to grips with the fact that there are people who can love him and want to love him through his his difficulty. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The, the issue that uh, always comes up in this regard is that people are really struck by the fact that we're so different from other people. And it's not different in the sense of we're trying to tell anybody what to do. Like I was uh, explaining to some students on, uh, on campus the other day, uh, I was talking with them about different issues that they face and the struggles and defending the faith. And I said, but you know, the bottom line is love. There is no attack against love. You That's cannot right. attack love. Yeah. You don't have to defend love. Love is what's going to win the day every single time. And people can't say anything bad about that because what bad can you say about somebody loving you? <laughs> yeah. There's something to be said about redemption too. That when you when you understand how much how you've been redeemed, then you begin to see redemption in another way. Um, you know, my experience in walking. You asked a question earlier about. Uh, defining uh, returning citizen well when i was in parole i operated first and foremost as this man in front of me is an image bearer of christ indiana department of corrections sees him as xyz number um and, a, and as an individual and yes there are things that needed to be managed and supervised 
But first and foremost, this is this is a man who's made as an image bearer of Christ. He is an ambassador of Christ, whether he knew that or not. And so when you see people as God intends us to see other individuals, my approach then will follow. Uh, and, and that's where some of that love comes into place. And, and so people begin to open up. I had relationships with people as I do now that are, are stunning because you wouldn't think that somebody would open up uh, or that, that there would be a depth of relationship that can actually happen um, in a dynamic like that. It's the same thing at the Nazareth Man House where you begin to develop deep, uh, lasting relationships with men that are unexplainable. Why? Because of the love of Christ. We talked a little bit about that. That, that you know, anything that's happening to you here at the Nazareth Man House is not me. It is not pastor. It is Christ pursuing you and loving you unconditionally and sovereignly moving and orchestrating so that you can see him that way over time. And so we get a front row seat to get actually to do that, you know, to watch God work in that way. My, my, uh, my wife, who, uh, who incidentally is an angel from heaven, mm -hmm. uh, told me uh, before I came home, she would tell me, she says, I'm going to, I'm going to introduce you to a love you've not known before. Mm -hmm. She says, and I guarantee you that over time, you're going to forget your DOC number. Mm -hmm. You're going to forget all of the, the things that, that, held, that held you down and held you back. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're going to create that kind of environment around you where the love of Christ is so powerful and so strong working through me, is what she said to me. And uh, she is an angel from heaven. Did I say that? Okay. Uh, that um, that's going to be transformative. And and so as we began to to put the Nazareth Man House in play, uh, it has been important to have that kind of love uh, manifest in the Nazareth Man House, where we are not concerned. The par it's a paradigm shift, so we don't have this guy categorized based on what is what his criminality is, has been. Uh, but we're just kind of looking at him because his name is what it is and helping him to get past uh, himself and get past his past and see the possibility of the, of the real man who is inside of him that, that God wants to bring, bring to the forefront. Yeah, these are important ideas, things that really, for the most part, a lot of people don't really think about. So let's kind of summarize some of these big concerns and, and concepts that we're bringing forward to people because, you know, quite frankly, I don't think we think this way uh, often enough. And that is that we see people for who they are, not what they do. So let's kind of traverse that for a moment and, and begin to help people to understand that we ought to be seeing people as people rather than as performance or as action. Because in our culture, we have a tendency to value and evaluate people based on what they do, not on who they are. Yeah. In Mark 5, there's this, there's a Nazareth man in Mark 5. He is uh, living in a cemetery. He is cutting on himself. 
and screaming and hollering and everybody in the community is frightened of him. He's got a few friends who, whom he's managed to chase completely away from him. They tried to tie him up and get him some help and nothing is working for him. Jesus comes along and he sees the man, the real man, the man God made inside of that man in the struggle, and he is able to then call forth that 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 man. Now there's some there's some issues, the demonic possession, and there's some things that he's got to work through. But the fact of the matter is, is that the man who the the people from the village see later on, who is sitting there in his right mind, cleaned up and making sense finally, that man was always there. He just needed, he needed the Christ to, to bring, to, 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 to free that man, to, to help him to remove the, the things that had him bound. And uh, so uh, can anything good come out of Nazareth? You betcha. You betcha. A lot of good can come out of, out of dark, dark, difficult places. The issues that uh, that we face, I think, about this these concepts are so foreign to so many people. Let's end our program today by helping people to understand how they can help you. So, because you know they might not feel comfortable, maybe they don't have the same kind of giftings that you might have, the same experiences, the same empathy that you might have. What is it that they can do to help? Well, you can pray for us. If, you, if you're a praying person, uh, we need lots of prayer. And uh, so pray for us. And uh, go to our website, www.foresightforgivers.org. That's F-O-R-E, don't forget the E. F-O-R-E-S-I-G-H-T, F-O-R-G-I-V-E-R-S.org. Foresight Forgivers. And uh, you can learn a little bit more about us. Uh, if you want to make donations to us, there's a there's a way that you can can, can do that. And uh, call us, talk to us. Uh, come by, see us. Uh, uh, perhaps you have a, a gift that we can can take advantage of or, or some other way that you can help us. Uh, and of course, we can always use a few dollars. We are looking for that often. I would say, the short answer would be mentors, people who are simply willing to walk beside these men, all right, to, to invest in a man. Um, and, and the story that I, quick story that I would share behind that is I was sitting in a men's Bible study one time and in walked an IMPD officer. And he said, I am a part of a program called the Indianapolis Parole Accountability Team. It was a new model of parole that joined parole and the police department together so that there was a parole agent and a police officer who walked beside a man who was on parole and the whole goal was two are better than one not from a supervisory perspective but from a support perspective mm -hmm. and so um, what they were looking to do was is to start a mentor program that was specifically targeting um, high-risk offenders men who are coming out of prison who had committed a crime that fits a particular category that, that is designated as, as high risk and, and violent. And so here he was, this, this police officer who was a Christ follower, he's there and he's looking to the Big C Church because there were men from all different churches sitting around that table saying, will you walk out your faith and become a mentor, walk beside one of these men? That's how I got introduced to the entire world of reentry was, I said, I'll do that. Because 
walking beside a man, men's ministry is no different when a guy has a felony or not. It's just the same core issues. He may have some nuances that are specific to him as a as a returning citizen, but so we utilize team mentoring. Team mentoring meaning that that there is a one-on-one -on -one mentor that works with an individual, a man in the Nazareth man house. We use peer mentoring. So as men progress through the Nazareth man house, you got somebody who's a little further down the road, a little further deeper into the program, a little has been walking their re-entry back into the world out, who now walks beside that man, and then staff. So Pastor Martin, myself, uh, Miss Carolyn, our social worker, so all of these indiv individuals make up kind of like a diamond that you turn that facet and you see mentoring from multiple levels that are happening with that individual man. And so what can people do? You can be the church and simply just walk in faith next to a man and we'll walk, walk through that with you and support you as you support this individual man. All of that. And pork sausage. Yeah. <laughs> we need yeah. it all. Yeah. Yeah. All, yeah. Pork sausage, yeah. all of the above. So at, at the end of the day, at the end of a broadcast like this, I always ask uh, people to tell us if, if you had a couple of minutes just to give us an overview of what it is that you want everybody to walk away with from this broadcast. Mm -hmm. uh, you got 60, 120 seconds. What do you want to say to everybody? Big picture overview. Well, listen, um, men are broken, and uh, men are responsible and accountable for their bad decisions with the choices that were before them, and they should be held accountable. Men go to prison, they do their time, and they come home. And uh, so many, so many of them, most of them, not only can change, but want to. They just need help. What we need to, the message that we need to get out to the, to the Big C Church mm -hmm. is that we're in the business. We're in that business of redemption. That's our ministry, reconciliation. We've been given that ministry. Men can, can make it. We've got to get past thinking that people just want to hand out uh, seeing the least of these uh, from the most negative perspective and recognizing that there are a lot of there's a lot of good in, in a lot of men we just need to we need to tap into that with the with the gospel which still is a transformative message yes and it will make the difference in the life of a guy uh, if we can get into it mm -hmm. i would say if you're if you're listening or if you're listening and you know somebody who has been previously incarcerated. Nazareth Man House is a Christ-centered transition home that if you're under supervision or just now coming off of supervision, we are here to walk beside you, to be in Christian community, to help hold you accountable to the road that you want to walk through and to what our Lord has called us to. And if you're interested in that, then reach out because there is an opportunity uh, for you to walk out this road of redemption. It doesn't have to be what society tends to deem it to be. Mm -hmm. And so there is a way, and that way is through him. And praise the Lord for that.
Well, we've been grateful to come to you again this week. Uh, Warp and Move Radio, Radio Next TV, the Guru said, talking about returning citizens, the Nazareth Manhouse on the south side of Indianapolis. Uh, give us, just uh, tell us your address again. Uh, I'll tell you our phone number. Yeah, tell you. Phone, phone number is, uh, <laughs> sorry about that, 317-222-5486. And uh, do call us. Do yes. call us. And, yes. Uh, we'll We'll be in touch with you. Yeah, <laughs> hiding uh, out on the south side. I, I'm going to hear about this later on. <laughs> no, he's lighting up behind the camera. Over here. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much for joining us here again this week. We're grateful to be here with you. Thank you again for uh, joining us on Wednesdays. We'll have another great guest next week. Thanks uh, for the opportunity to be with you in your earbuds or on your podcast, wherever you might get them. Ours comes out of iTunes. And for those of you joining, you joining us today on Facebook Live, thanks ever so much for your presence. We'll be back again next week.